Well, good morning. Welcome to Fearless Mom. My name is Deanne Wilson, and I am actually here joined by the fabulous Julia Fortman and Kaylee Wilson. And we are actually in, a, in the middle of a message of ser- a series of messages on discipline called It's Not Complicated. And we're talking specifically about the strong will blessing. And last week, Julia interviewed uh, our fearless leader, Julie Richard, and her daughter, Emily, who is her strong will blessing. And so today we just thought we are going to continue that and take the opportunity for Julia to interview me and my strong will blessing, Kaylee. And so, but before we do that, we just want to make sure that we take a moment to welcome in our online audience. So help me welcome them in. We are so glad that you're here with us this morning. And we are so glad that we have the gift of technology that no matter where you are in your world and in your situations, that you're actually able to join us here and be a part of what God is doing in and through Fearless Mom. And we just want to make sure if you are watching this alone, that we hope that you feel not alone, that we are actually here cheering you on and helping you in your mom journey. So thank you so much for being here. So before we go any further, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. Thank you that you are an amazing God that allows us to have this special responsibility called motherhood. God, I ask that you would be a part of everything that we say. God, that you would take the words that we have today, that you would use them for your purposes and that for your glory, that something in our story could help a mom where they are right here and right now. God, we ask the special blessing on the moms that are here today with us, for the moms that are actually watching with us online. We just ask that you would give us all strength and courage to do this thing that you have given us called motherhood. And we ask all these things in your son's name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm Julia Fortman, and as I mentioned last week, I have known Julie and Emily for a very long time. And though I haven't known Kaylee and Deanne as long as I've known Julie and Emily, I have the same amount of respect for both of them that I do for Julie and Emily. Kaylee is the administrator for Fearless Mom, and truth be told, anywhere that you're sitting today or if you're watching online, Kaylee is like the wizard behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. She makes the magic happen. And so you've all been impacted by her um, work here for Fearless Mom. Um, She's also, like Emily, a young adult SWB, strong-willed blessing, who is independent, competent, and strong. Um, Then Deanne, in addition to birthing Kaylee, has a similar role for Lake Hills Church. Um, She is uh, the kind of person who helps anyone, directs anyone. She's clever. She's funny. She's encouraging. She's a complete package. And um, the thing that I'm most excited to share with you all today is that they have a story that's very different than Julie and Emily's. And... um, First of all, they have similar personalities, so we're going to hear how that played out in the mother-daughter duo. And second of all, uh, through Kaylee's childhood, Deanne was a married mom, a single mom, a divorced mom, a remarried mom, and a stepmom. She's been a stay-at-home mom and a working mom and is now an empty nester. So most likely, she can relate to whatever hat you're wearing in your motherhood journey today and has a lot to offer us. And I'm... um, really excited to get started. 
Our guiding verse for Fearless Mom this year is Isaiah 40:31, and it says, But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And from where I sit, I think Kaylee and Deanne really exemplify this verse. And I'm excited for you to hear some examples of how that, uh, how they exemplified that uh, on their journey. So let's dive right in. Deanne, in Fearless Mom, we talk a lot about the importance of establishing trust in the parent-child relationship. And last week, Julie and Emily talked about building trust through play. And one of the things that Emily um, said was that when her parents did not let her win, that communicated trust to her, that they were being open and honest. And Deanne, you share a similar um, perspective or a belief in open and honest communication. And so share a little bit about how you used that to build trust with Kaylee. Well, I think that's it. I think it, I was very intentional in our relationship. Um, you know, as as we have said before, I was a single mom a lot of, of Kaylee's childhood. And so um, I knew very quickly that I needed to establish a very open and honest communication with her to create an environment where she can actually feel free to ask questions and, and, and along the way for me to give her age-appropriate information so that she can actually navigate that situation that she's a part of as well. And so I just, I did that along the way. And it was something that was built along the way. Well, and I would just say it was very open and honest. I really didn't know that I could ask her any question at any time. Nothing was off limits. Um, And we did handle some really serious discussions Um, because of our situation, my mom being a single mom, and I wasn't allowed to see my biological father um, starting at age seven. And so they were divorced three to seven. So it was a lot of just us whenever I was growing up, but I knew that I could ask her anything related to that or not related to that. Um, A perfect example is um, when... I remember very, very clearly I found out that I couldn't see, wait, side note, (laughs) there's a 98% chance one or both of us are going to cry today, so it's okay. A hundred percent chance, because this story gets me every time, so maybe that means I won't cry. Move forward. Um, But I remember the moment whenever I, my mom told me that I was no longer allowed to see my biological father. It was a time whenever I was really excited. It was Easter. I was about to go to their house, and I... Um, remember my mom saying, I just found out that you're not going to be able to go see him. And can I interject? Yeah. I had actually received a phone call from my attorney that said that he had failed a drug test. And so I was not allowed to, to have her go see him. Yes. <laughs> so I couldn't be released to go see him. And he failed a drug test. And so I was very matter of fact kind of as a kid and I just said so does my dad know that if he does drugs he can't see me and she said yes and then I said then how can you say he's not choosing drugs over me over me and it was funny because I don't even remember what she said well I I actually just looked at her and I said I understand I understand um, I didn't have the answer, but I did know that. Um... 
Well, that's the thing. You didn't have the answer necessarily, and the answer wasn't what was important for me. I didn't need to know the answer. I, need, I needed to know that I could ask. And I did. I knew that I could ask you anything. And I think a lot of the times as parents, you get nervous. And even when I babysit, I get nervous, like, oh, my gosh, what are the kids going to ask me? Because kids ask crazy things. I'm not a mom yet, but I've seen it. Even just in LHC kids, I'm like, okay, great question. But the answer, like, you don't have to get so focused on, I don't have all of the answers, and I don't want them to ask these. It's really just creating an environment where your children know that they can ask you any question. And even, like, I don't remember the answers to a lot of the things. I remember the questions I ask, but my mom just said, I understand. And she was there with me in the moment. And so that was one of the ways that I think honest communi- or open communication really played a role in building trust between us. And through my education training, we talk a lot to teachers about how students don't remember learning the act of learning to read or learning to add, but they do remember how they feel in the moment. So it wasn't so much about how what your mom answered, it was how she made you feel. Yeah, it's been in interesting moment. looking back as we've been preparing for this, like, okay, I was a child. I didn't have to be intentional <laughs> with how I was growing up. My mom did, but how thinking back on, okay, this is how I felt, what did my mom do in order to make me feel that way? And we were talking about open and honest communication um, as far as the honest part goes. I think that's something that's super important for people like me, strong-willed blessings. She was, and still is, very honest with me. Um, For example, like to this day, if I'm in a show, because I like to do musicals and things like that, and I wasn't the best, she'll tell me. And it's not anything like, well, you're terrible. Anything like that. My mom has such an awesome way of finding the good, and she really does. But she'll tell me, like, you know, you did really great in these areas. I, I get that. That one part wasn't the best. And so I knew that when she told me, that I did great, that I really did great. And obviously she did that age appropriately as I grew up, but I always knew her that was great really was her that was great. And if I felt at any point like she was just saying, like, oh, you're so awesome, like that's she just has to say that because she's my mom. But I knew that that actually wasn't the case. And in turn, I trusted her more because I knew that whenever she told me I was capable or that I did something really well, I knew that she really meant it. And then I believed it. If she would have just said I was great all the time, I think it would have had less impact on me. I wouldn't have trusted that she would tell me the truth. Although you do trust your dad. I trust my dad. Okay, my mom got remarried whenever I was 11 to um, a man named Russell, and he adopted me. So when I say dad, that's who I'm talking about. He's 100% my dad. But he, on the other hand, is like, he genuinely believes everything I do is awesome. (laughs) Meaning, if I like sang a song or wrote something and it was terrible, and I know it's terrible, and even my mom would be like, I mean, you could do better. My dad is like, this is the best thing ever. And he would probably has already sent 12 copies to everyone in our family and posted it on Facebook three times. So it's funny because with my dad, I have to be like, this is not for public 
display. This picture is just for you, or this song is just for you. Because on the other hand, my dad is like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Everyone needs to hear. This is super great. And it's just funny, the balance between the two. (laughs) You have also talked about how, um, as a strong-willed blessing, you were uh, extremely independent, but not necessarily as emotionally expressive as Emily. And you and I have talked about one of the things that's key in your relationship with your mom and with um, in other relationships, too, to your not feeling the need to uh, challenge authority is because of how strongly you trusted your mom um, or in other relationships. So talk a little bit about how that role of open, honest communication helps you build a respect for authority. I think kind of what I was alluding to I respected her authority, well, I trusted her, and I knew her role was as my mother, but because I knew she would be honest with me and tell me the things that I wasn't doing so great or the things I needed to improve on, I knew, like I was saying, that that meant the things that I did do great were great. And so for my kind of personality, it's kind of offensive if... I know that I did something bad and somebody's like, that was so great. I'm like, well, I don't trust you anymore because that was terrible. And now I know, I'll never know next time if you tell me something was great, I'll never know if that was real or not because that was actually terrible. (laughs) And so because she was honest with me and open with me, not rude, she wasn't rude, but she was just honest in the moment. She can be. She definitely can be. (laughs) But she was just honest that allowed me to, I guess, fall under her authority. There was never really a question. If I would buck her authority, she would. And I think that's it. I mean, even to this day, Kaylee and I are extremely close. We spent so much time, just the two of us. And and even though it was extremely difficult, and, and I, I it was a difficult time, uh, I wouldn't change it. I mean, she and I developed such a relationship and such a bond uh, that, that goes through today, but there was no question that in that bond and in our relationship that I was the mother. I did not change truth. I did not change boundaries. I did not coddle her. I did not baby her. I always spoke to Kaylee as she was a human, and I didn't speak to her like a child. I gave her information that I felt was appropriate at the time or appropriate to the question that she asked. And then I stopped there. I didn't go on and on and on. And I just, it was something that I did intentionally to make sure that she could trust me and knew that I had her best interest at heart. But also the fact that um, through all of that, I was the parent. And, and she knew that I was the parent. And I think that that helped with that authority thing is that, that we can be close and we can be friends, but I'm not your best friend, although you really are like yeah. a really good friend. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't my goal. My goal was not to be Kaylee's best friend. And uh, there were times when she was not happy with what I said, and I had to make choices that she was not happy with. And that's what we have to do as a parent, even knowing that they are going to be upset, that they are going to be mad, and that they can't see the big picture That's awesome. Thank you. So a few weeks ago, you talked to us about the high C's for the high C's. And um, you intentionally used the C's were consistency, choice, consequences, and church in your parenting. 
Talk to us about the role of choice and consequences, in particular with raising a strong-willed blessing. I just, um, clearly the Bible tells us that we are all born with free will. And, and I think wholeheartedly that we, everything that we do radiates out of the choices that we make. And there are either good consequences or bad consequences. And for whatever reason, um, I knew that I had the responsibility of teaching Kaylee how to make choices so that along the way, so that when she walked out that door, that she was able to make choices on her own and that she was able to weigh all the odds and be able to make those choices. And so that is what I, um, I talked about in that message, but just making sure I created an environment along the way, age appropriate, where she was empowered to make choices. And I set the boundaries that those choices would be, whatever choice she made was something that I would be okay with, so that, but she was empowered to make the choice. And I feel that that really made a big difference hindsight, now looking back on it and having the history there, um, this is not my way. I mean, the Bible tells us this. He puts boundaries in place. His ways are the right ways. And, and it isn't something that I sat there and wrote down. It, this is just something that I believe was, you know, God's grace on my life in helping me in this situation. And so um, that's kind of how we, we did that. And you um, have a story to share about uh, a time when you did not get your way and decided as a result you were going to move out and move in with another family. And I think that this shows for all of us how strongly strong-willed blessings think and how limited their perspective can be. And the way that Deanne handled this gave Kaylee the opportunity to learn that on her own without Deanne telling her. So share the story. Yes, yeah, so... Um... I was probably five-ish, is what we guess. And I wanted to spend the night at my friend's house, obviously. And so I, my friend had asked me, her parents said it was okay, and I just needed to ask my mom. And so I asked her, can I spend the night at Lacey's house tomorrow? And she said no, for whatever reason. And I'm sure I pushed back. I was like, here's all the reasons why I should go to Lacey's house, and I want to go to her house. Her parents say it's okay. Why can't you just say it's okay? And she said, no, you're not going to spend the night at Lacey's house. And I was like, well, that's fine. I'm just going to move in with them then. Like, if you're not going to let me do that, not only am I going to sleep over at her house, I'm going to sleep over at her house forever to show you, like, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. And she was like, well, she didn't panic. She said, okay and kind of let me walk through what that was going to look like. And so I was like, all right, well, she was like, you, then you need to pack your stuff. You know, you're going to need some clothes. So I went into my room, and I remember she sat in the living room and let me go into my room. She got down a bag for me, and I remember packing every single piece of clothing that I had, and I put it in this bag, and I pulled out all my shoes, and there was one pair of shoes that I couldn't reach. And I remember thinking, like, oh, my gosh, she's really letting me do this. But I was going to keep going because I was going to show her. And so I packed all my stuff. There was one pair of shoes, and I kind of sauntered out to the living room. I don't know if I sauntered. I made that up. Um, but I went out to the living room, and I was like, okay, like I have everything packed, but I need your help getting this one pair of shoes. And I'm thinking, like, I'm going to break her. I remember thinking, this is it. She's not going to let me get this last pair of shoes down because that means it's real. And she kind of stood up and she was like, okay, let's go get your pair of shoes. And I was like, 
And my mom remembers more of conversation, more details, because I remember at that moment I just broke down and started crying, because I'm like, you're really going to let me go? Yes, and she also came in there, and there was a moment where we, we sat down, and as she was, her bags were packed and all that stuff, I said, well, you know, we have all of these things that are yours. You know, you have this great house bed and these toys, and so we need to figure out what we're going to do with those. And so I'll figure out what we can do with those since you're not going to be here anymore. And I will find a great home for them because you can't take them with you. And so because those are yours for this home, and so we'll make sure that those get in another situation. And then she comes in in the whole shoe situation, and she sits on my lap, and, and she breaks down, and I just told her, I said, I'm just going to miss you so much. And I really don't want you to go. And she goes, I don't want to go either, you know. And I said, okay. And so we walked through that emotion, and she cried. I probably did cry at the moment too. But then I also followed up later and let her know that, that's not okay. Um, because you disagree with what I am telling you, it is not okay for you to go down this path. But I think what's important here is a lot of times as parents, we have a tendency to overreact to our drama that our kids want to throw at us because they're trying to get a reaction out of us. And so we all of a sudden go down that road with them instead of just stepping back and realizing what it is and allowing them to just go through this choice on their own and ask them questions. Okay, well, if you want to run away, then you're going to need some clothes and you can take some of these clothes. Okay. And so now how are you going to eat? You know, and you just start asking them questions to help them walk through and process their choices instead of feeding the drama. They're going to talk themselves out of out of that choice a lot of times when we allow them to do that. I remember Julia, she said, she goes, what would you do if she did just continue to move out, and I go, I wouldn't let her go, but that's not true. I wouldn't have let her go, but I could tell along the way that she was actually breaking down. I could tell I was navigating that as well. I could tell that she was Well, because she was you let down. me walk through the consequences of what my actions were because I was a child. I couldn't think about what everything else that was going to happen because I decided I wanted my way because really it wasn't about leaving. It was about getting my way. And so you didn't panic, which was not the reaction that I was looking for. You just calmly walked me through, okay, well, what does this mean? And what does this look like? And then there were too many questions and I didn't know. All I knew is that I wanted my way and I was only going to go so far because I didn't actually want the outcome. Right, right. <laughs> I just wanted my way. <laughs> I remember one time I was at Chick-fil-A with my uh, my numero uno strong will blessing when he was a little bit over two and I had a newborn with me and he was up in the playscape there and would not come out. And I had to leave and I couldn't physically get up there myself. And this little old lady was sitting there and she's like, you want to know the secret? I'm like, yes. And she's like, tell him to come give you a hug case you never see him again. And I'm like, hmm, it's worth a try. Nothing else is working. So I called him down. Zachary, come here. I need a big hug. And he's like, okay. I said, you know, we'll make it a good one because, you know, I might not ever see you again. And he looks at me. I said, well, I'm leaving. It's time to go. I would love for you to come with me because I'm really going to miss you if you stay. But just in case, give me a hug. And he's like, well, I'm coming too put his shoes on and we left so it was the same thing he hadn't thought through like if I stay here and my mom leaves 
then what? He had not even had that. It was just about getting his way in that moment. So, And I wouldn't have left him, but I'm so thankful that it worked. <laughs> um, okay, moving on. With strong-willed blessings, it never goes well to surprise them with changes. And you two went through a lot of changes. And the fact that Kaylee trusted you through them all is evidence that you navigated those quite well. And so I'd love for you to share with moms your understanding of the weight of responsibility, the weight of the responsibility of motherhood, and how you kept that in perspective through all of your changes. That's a good question, Julia. Um, I think, you know, when I, obviously, when you become a mother, you know that you have the responsibility. But for me, when, when I became a single mom, that sense of responsibility, I think, increased. And so over time, I knew not only was it my responsibility to make sure when Kaylee walked out the door that she was ready to actually walk out the door confidently. Um, I knew that it was my responsibility to get her there. But probably when she was around eight or nine years old, I realized that it's possible that I would be single for the rest of my life, and I was okay with that. I mean, I, I made a decision, I mean, that that's very possible. And so that was okay, but I also started realizing I did not want her to walk out the door and feel like if I was not married or anything at that point, that that she was responsible for me. I was responsible, and I am as a, as a parent, I am responsible for Kaylee. She is not responsible for me. And so I worked really hard in making sure that I kept building that so when she did go out there and we make and our desire as fearless mom is to raise strong, independent, competent adult children. Um, I realized that in that time and over time, it was my responsibility as a mom to become a strong, independent adult parent. Because when she walks out that door, and, and this does not have anything to do with being a single mom or not, because when your kids go to college, it's hard. It is really hard when your kids walk out that door and, and, and they need to hear from you. You can do it. You've got this. I'm so excited from you. I'm so sad. It doesn't mean you don't share emotion. It just means that you empower them to know that they can actually do it. You're sad, but you believe in them and they know you can do it. So us becoming strong, independent adult parents is just as important as being a strong, independent adult child because I never wanted her to feel the responsibility of having to take care of me. Now, contact me in about 40 years and let's revisit all this because she may be taking care of me. <laughs> I think that's so true. That's good advice for all moms, no matter what your marital situation is. Um, so, Kaylee, reflect back to things that your mom did, either intentionally or unintentionally, that helped you feel secure and confident as you navigated transitions in life. I think to speak to that, I would just say, yes, you can show emotion, and but you never cried to me about things. I think that's part of why I didn't feel the responsibility or the weight of my mom um, being alone or feeling sad for her because she would cry with me and she would cry for me, but she didn't really cry to me. It wasn't like, I don't know if mommy's going to be okay, but whatever. She actually focused on me in those moments. And it was like, 
you know, how are you doing? Like, you're going to do awesome things, and this is very sad, or this is really exciting, going to college. Whatever those emotions were, she was focusing on me and what my emotions were. Not that she wasn't allowed to have any, because she did, but it was not crying to me and that I needed to feel the weight of how she was feeling or that my actions were going to affect how she was feeling because I'm a strong-willed, but I'm also compassionate, and I would have been completely traumatized thinking that me just taking the next step in life was going to right. affect I think her. Um, you were sharing how you felt so sad when Kaylee moved to L.A., and I think the way that you shared... I'm really sad because I'm going to miss you communicated love, but not responsibility. Um, Right. I think um, when your question was about how I felt secure and confident to step out into the world, one of the ways that she did, and we were just talking about her responsibility as a mom, but she was teaching me my responsibility along the way. And I think that we intuitively know, like we need to teach our kids responsibility, but that was to me, into a strong-willed blessing, and even in little things, showed me that. If it was, you know, your cousins are, my old, I have two cousins, two boy cousins, who are like my older brothers. My mom is really intentional about putting me around them, and so if we would get into a fight, or get into an argument, or they would steal the front seat, she would always make me handle it, and I would go to her and be like, mom, Carter and Joseph did this, and she would just say, great, you go handle it. And in those moments, I realized she trusted me enough and thought I was a capable human being. Like, I can handle that. Or even in little things like doing my laundry. I was doing my laundry at 10, not well. I'm just saying right now, she's a young adult, and I did not do a good job <laughs> at all. She's terrible at laundry. I'm but still we really her. bad at it. I, I just, I still do it. It's I just still fault. have a 10-year-old not anymore. skill set of laundry. But she empowered me to do those things. She didn't do those things for me, even if it was making a sandwich. It was like, no, you can go make a sandwich or you can go make that decision. You go have a conversation with your teacher. You go have a conversation with the peer that you're not getting in, um, along with. But it wasn't just her like empowering me. It communicated to me that she thought that I was actually capable of doing it. It wasn't just that she needed to teach me responsibility. I felt that, oh, my mom really does think that I can do this. Because she didn't refer it back to, like, you're, you're capable, you're strong enough to do it. It was, I know you can do it, and I'm not going to do it for you because you're capable of doing that. And that's something that is super important to my personality type is knowing that I'm a capable human being and that I'm able to do things is super important. And so her giving me those responsibilities and actually letting go of them and giving them to me communicated that. It just reminds me of a story. Um, I did such a great job at that <laughs> that I, <laughs> sorry, I actually, um, there's these tests when your kids go into college, and you can take these tests as a parent, and just to see if you maybe be um, are too involved, that you need to kind of step out of the picture and let you know. So it'll it'll evaluate you and what you're doing for your in your parenting skills as your child is going off to college. And so I thought, I'm going to take this test and see, you know, if I am too involved in my child's um, college 
application process. And mine came back is, you might want to get a little bit more involved. <laughs> and I was just shocked. I went, oh, okay. But to me, because you had given me those responsibilities along the way, like this is your responsibility and you can handle it, I knew, like I'm going to college, I'm responsible for filling out the applications and doing the work in order to get myself into a college. It wasn't your responsibility. It was mine, but that was pretty funny. It was that orientation. I remember she was like, oh, wow. I took a test and it definitely said I need to get more involved, maybe. Um, but it, the, the irony is that she thought that she might be too involved. <laughs> and so it was quite the opposite. That is very funny. Um, okay, there was a point where you had a kind of a, a pivotal view on parenting, and it had to do with um, when you were watching Kaylee play softball. Share with us uh, what you learned through that process. Yes. Um, I think that as moms, we have a God-given blessing and desire to nurture and to love our kids and to overprotect them. That's, that's a God-given blessing. But I also know that we cannot forget that we are to raise warriors. Um, and so there was a time when Kaylee was new. I was fortunate that I had parents that believed in me. They actually thought I could do anything. I, I, they did not handle my problems for me. They did not go to my teachers. They did not. I handled conflict on my own. My parents allowed me to do that. But somewhere when Kaylee was born along the way in the, the new years, there was, I felt like I had moved toward the world is love. And it's true. God is love, and the world is filled with love. But we cannot forget that we are to raise warriors. And Joshua, it says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. And so we have a responsibility through this uh, desire to love and nurture our kids to actually raise them to be strong and create courageous and mighty warriors so that they can step out in the world and face all of those things that are flying at them day in and day out. And this really unraveled when I was watching her play softball. Again, I was very competitive uh, growing up and on athletic teams and that kind of thing. And so when Kaylee got in softball and I was the coach, my competitiveness was right there. And then I would watch Kaylee and she was good, but I thought, wow, she does not have any fight or compassion. Like, go get the ball. You know, I'm like, that's the goal. If the goal's the ball, go get the ball. And so she didn't really have that, you know. And so I started realizing that I had leaned toward that and I wasn't teaching her enough to be able to fight. And so for us, in fact, uh, Russell and I were actually now married and we put her in, in basketball. And I did that intentionally so that she would have to have physical contact of people fouling her and getting in her physical space that she would have to fight for. And I saw a big difference. I saw that transfer into, um, into her softball years and that kind of thing. And, and it sounds so crazy, but it really made a huge difference and take her competitiveness and her desire to fight up a little bit. Well, I remember the moment. I'm such a rule follower. Even though I might want to change the rules in order to fit my way, I she am totally a, changes rules. I am a rule follower, um, which is why boundaries I think are super important <laughs> for strong-willed blessings. But when my mom put me in basketball, or when I was in basketball, it and she told me like be aggressive. 
get in there. You can, like, fight back. And I, it gave me the okay, like, oh, I can. I think I was just thinking, like, we're all going to play and get along. And when she gave me the, like, no, you fight back. Fight for the ball. If they're fouling you, like, be aggressive. The cheer, be aggressive. I was. I remember the moment it was like she gave me permission to be aggressive, and I became good at defense. I was not good at offense in basketball. Even if I got fouled, it was really unfortunate because I was not good. I was not good. But she looked cute. Yeah, but I could finally I was good at defense because I learned like, oh, it's okay to fight. It's okay to have that passion and aggressiveness obviously contained, but it's okay to use that. And I think that does kind of spur you on to be able to use that in different aspects of my life. Like I can fight for things and if I feel confident about it and I'm going to fight for it, but it was, I'm such a rule follower. So she had to give me that. It's okay to do that. And I've seen this come out in you when there's a role that you want to play in an upcoming musical, or maybe there's two you're debating. You'll think through how can I fight for it? within the boundaries of the rules. So it's neat to see how that's carried on throughout your whole life. Also, I think, just side note here, um, you know, Kaylee was a single child uh, for many, many years. I mean, an only child. An only child for many, many years. And um, I knew that. I mean, even when her biological father and I were married, we just, we always thought that she would be an only child. And um, even throughout my years, um, and even when I got married and had the blessing of becoming a stepmom to a four-year-old, I still knew that Kaylee was going to be my only child, and I'm, I'm glad I never, that never changed, and so I was glad for that. But with that, and the fact that she was an only child, I, do, I knew that I had a responsibility to teach her to learn how to fight for things, and so that is why when she was little, I, she had two cousins that were slightly older than her that I kept uh, around me all of the time when they were little. And so when Kaylee came along, I just, we brought her into the picture. And so I just made sure that when they came around her, that she was actually in environments where she did have to fight. And she mentioned that a little bit, but it was important for me not to say, well, this is her home and this is her chair and she's used to having this chair. And so I intentionally said, you've got to fight for that. I mean, go get it. And so I didn't change the rules. I just let her work that. And I just, I think that that helped along the way with her being an only child. And when you say fight, you don't mean physically fight. There were times where she had her nephew (laughs) on the ground, I mean, her cousin on the ground, but not, no, it wasn't fist fights. You were teaching her to stand up for herself, to advocate for herself. Yes. And I didn't feel babied because you did that. I, that's super offensive for me to feel like somebody's babying me um, because that sounds like I'm not capable of doing it, so you're lowering it for me. But I felt because you made me do that, like, no, this isn't her chair. Like, I wasn't babied. I was capable of fighting for that chair uh, even with two older cousins slash brothers. Like, even though I'm the youngest girl, I am capable of getting that, and I'm going to stand up for myself, and I'm going to make it happen. I think that goes back again to its trust. It built trust in your relationship and built confidence in you, and it's something that's important, especially for the strong-willed children. Mm -hmm. Well, it's important for all of them. 
Um, okay, so every week here in Austin, after we finish lectures, we go through a few minutes of reflection time. And if you're watching online or in a remote group, um, all of our materials for the reflections and discussion group questions, they're all available and we encourage you to use them. And um, during the reflection time, we take a couple of minutes to think about what we just heard and how it applies to ourselves. And then um, in that time, uh, we write down actions we can take or um, changes we can make to get better and be stronger. Deanne has had, an, it, she has, I think through all of her transitions, has shown um, an ability to be reflective and focus on her own responsibility. And um, especially, I was especially inspired by how she focused on herself when her marriage ended. And I would love for you to share that story with everyone. Yes, and so when Kaylee was three, um, it became very clear that it was time for me to step out of that marriage. And um, he had um, a drug addiction. And that was not clearly something that I wanted to participate in and be a part of. And when I learned, you know, here she is as a three-year-old, and there was a moment where I really could tell that we were either going to go down with him or, or I was going to step out of that and, and take the responsibility of making sure that, that she and I were going to be okay. And so that was a decision that, that I made knowing that it was going to have an effect on it. And quite frankly, when he was in, had his drug problem, he can't make those decisions. And so, therefore, the responsibility came to me. So when that marriage ended, and um, I immediately started to look at what caused me to make a choice like that. Um, I would say it was probably a pride, more of a pride thing in me not giving the relationship any more emotion. I had given it everything that I could and everything that I thought um, imaginable to, to make the marriage work. And um, it was clear that it wasn't going to work. And so um, it was at that time that I realized what was it about me that made me make that choice. Nobody, you know, twisted my arm and made me marry him. I made that choice to marry him. I wanted to be married so badly that I ignored some red flags or some things that were happening along the way because I wanted to get married. And so I'm living in the consequences of a choice that I made. And so I knew that. I did have a sense of responsibility. And so instead of placing blame on him, in which I could go through a million stories. You know, I was far from perfect, but I could tell you a million stories of, of that situation. But the, the important thing is he's not the issue at this point. It, the issue is me and Kaylee. And so I really focused on what I could do differently. And I was determined to not play the victim card. And when you play the victim card, and even though I had a reason, I could have... Um, you are still staying tied to that person. You are still empowering them to have control over your lives, over your emotions and all of that. And I was done with that. I wasn't willing to do that anymore. And so I just took a whole lot of time and I reflected on why did I make that choice? What put me in that situation for me to choose that when and ignore all of the signs? And I was seeking God wholeheartedly. I mean, I will tell you, one of my spiritual gifts is, is faith. And so even though, quite frankly, through all this time, I was not a Christ follower, 
but I always had this great reverence for God. My faith was always strong. I knew God was working out all things for good. I had that, I just had that understanding, and I can't explain it. I feel like, I feel like God knows our hearts. He knew I was seeking him, and he gave me such grace along the way to figure this out um, because I was seeking him so passionately, but as I was seeking him, I was going down wrong path of seeking him. It was anything but Jesus because that didn't make sense to me. It absolutely didn't make sense in my brain that Jesus was the only way. I was, I was actually... Uh, going by the headlines. I was believing the headlines of what I heard about Jesus, and I was not doing the work that it was. And so there was this moment where I think God, you know, slapped me across the face and said, okay, you've gone through everything. Now what are you going to do with Jesus? And because I had such a sense of responsibility, and because I knew that one day she was going to walk out the doors, and I knew that I had finally asked the question, what if? What if this Jesus is who he says he is, and I'm reading the headlines, and I'm not doing the work? And so I started to get involved in church. Um, She and I started to go to church by ourselves, and it was around that time where a friend of mine invited me to Lake Hills Church, and that is where I learned... Well, the church changed our life. (laughs) I learned to be a Christ follower. There's a big difference. And um, I probably would have told you that I was a Christian at the time. Um, But I was not a Christ follower. And he was so kind to me and allowed me to do all this crazy stuff of figuring it out. And I'm so thankful that I had a husband. That's okay. He was exemplifying letting you make choices and learn from your consequences in a loving way, just like you did for Kaylee. And, you know, Russell, um, he was a Christ follower, and and he, when we got married, um, we started going to church. He came to Lake Hills Church with us, and he loved it as much as I did. And um, so we got really involved, but it was at a different location that was further from our house, and so I would have, even at this time, probably stayed home, you know, like it was just too far to drive and, or come up with an excuse. But he, thank God, he was so strong in saying, we're going. We're going to church. And we got up every Sunday, and we came, and we came. And then finally it moved here to the location that we are here um, right now in Austin. And, and so I got involved serving And so she and I started serving. My husband started serving on the tech team. And at that point, it became my church. I was needed. I was valued. I could help. And all of a sudden, this uh, community started building. And it was just, it's just, I'm just blown away by the beauty of the community of the imperfect church. And the fact that I could walk in with all my junk, and step into an environment and help build a community of our blended family. You know, we're a blended family trying to figure out what that looks like. And we had this church community that rallied around us, and we rallied around them. I mean, we are invested. We didn't come here and say, what can you do for me? 
Uh, we wanted to say, what can we give to the church? This is an act of worship. And so we really got involved. She started serving on the tech team. Funny stories there. But anyway, um, and that's when um, everything just really developed in my faith. Yeah. Long, and, long answer. It's an, an awesome answer, though. It was perfect. And, I mean, it's perfect in the sense that it's exactly what you need was on your heart. And thank you for sharing that. Um, Kaylee, talk about the role that the local church played in your life. So it's funny, looking back, my mom not really being a Christ follower, because when I was little, I always knew. Like for me, I don't remember a time not knowing Jesus. I just knew that I knew. Um, And my mom always talked to me about bigger things. She would always bring it back to God and say, you know, well, how do you think that God wants you to handle this? Or what do you think, why do you think God put us together? Those kinds of questions. So I was always thinking bigger than just right in the moment. Um, But whenever we got plugged in and started going to a local church, it changed everything for me. It changed my relationships, my relationship with God, my um, work. It changed um, how it gave me mentors. Um, we, I was in middle school when we started coming and just getting plugged in. And it's whenever I really experienced what walking with Christ really looked like and what having that relationship actually meant. And kind of like my mom was saying, for me, I would come along to church, but whenever I started serving on the tech team and I got to wear the headphones and hear the conversations, that's whenever I felt like this was my church and this was something that I wanted to be involved in. But the church came around me and they gave me opportunities. They gave me opportunities to work and to learn new things that I was in middle school and I got to run the cameras and I got to learn these new skills, but I also got to learn about Christ and I got to learn about how um, to take my faith into a different environment and walk me through college. It gave me people that are steps ahead of me that I could look at them and say, okay, this is what the next step looks like for me. I had people in my life that were in different phases that I was in that allowed me to have like a visual representation of what my life could look like. And so, and then obviously through the church, I found my passion of what I want to do. And I I do work here at the church, but I was in high school when I figured that out because I was here and I was given the opportunity to work and work hard and to learn and to grow in my faith. And so I feel like everything changed middle school on whenever we really got plugged into a local church of people. Plus, I love the fact that Julie, when she teaches young ladies Bible study and all of that, they could read a scripture and it would be John 3.16, and they would read it, and she goes, okay, well, what's the moral of that? And they would go, who you marry matters. I mean, it didn't matter what scripture it was. Julie, you know, would bring it back to who you marry matters, and we laugh about it, and obviously she laughs about it. She's being funny, but it was great to have this community of people that are encouraging your child, but they're also rallying around them to help them hold them accountable and speak into your kid's life um, beyond you. 
And I love how you talked about how um, how empowering it was to have responsibilities here at the church. I think um, no matter where it is, sometimes with kids we think, oh, well, I'll just take care of that for you. But strong-willed children really, really take pride in doing things for themselves. And so any opportunity, I mean, I can just see wearing headphones and being in the in the know of what goes on behind the scenes, how that made you feel like they trust me and they believe in me and um, what a great opportunity that was for you. So, um, moving on to a new topic, uh, personalities. So, in our second year of Fearless Mom, we did a personality study. Um, It was in the Healthy You series. So, if any of you were not here or if you're watching online and you want to go find that, that's where you can find it. And Emily and Julie talked about being opposites. And Emily particularly said that she felt like in being opposites, um, they could hold each other accountable for their weaknesses because they could each see that. And Kaylee and Deanne are much more similar. So talk about how being having more similar personalities played out in your the, the pros, the cons, and in your relationship. Well, we think it's really awesome that because Julie and Emily are opposites, they got to work on each other's or keep each other accountable for their weaknesses, but it's really great because neither of us have any weaknesses. None. None. So we we, didn't have to keep each other accountable. We pray for Julie and Emily frequently that they have to work through their weaknesses. And if you do go study the personalities, you will learn that their type doesn't think they have any weaknesses. (laughs) No, but um, I think it allowed her to speak to me because she knew how she needed to be spoken to um, or taught or learn. It allowed her me to be parented the exact way that I needed to be parenting or parented as a child. And so that really played well for us um, as I was growing up. Obviously, there are weaknesses that go along with it, like not being able to see your weaknesses because they're the same ones as your child. And so you're not working on that area because you're like, oh, they don't need to worry about that. They need to learn responsibility. Um, But um, it really... It was a huge blessing, I think, in us being able to work together, a.k.a. her parent me. (laughs) What was your perspective on that? Yeah, I didn't really know and go from it from an angle of the personalities or anything like that. I just knew that um, I did understand her, and so that helped because we were we had similar personalities that that helped me understand how to parent her but I truly believe that that was a blessing from God because I didn't know enough of that to know that you know oh I have the perfect personality and my personality and I need to attack it this way I didn't know that Um, it was just one of those things that we have learned over time and I've been fascinated quite frankly with all the personality tests because I'm just becoming more and more self-aware. It's just great, <laughs> becoming more self-aware. But it's, a, it's able for you to look at things in hindsight. And I see what a blessing that was for us that we did have similar personalities. Thank you. Um, so we're getting close to wrapping things up. And so um, having been through all that you've been through and now being on the empty nest side of parenting, what thoughts do you want to leave moms with? I would just tell you, don't give up. I mean, do not give up. I mean, God is good, and his ways work in all ways. And fight the fight, fight the good fight, stay in the game. And that in your love and your nurturing for your kids, for our kids, 
that it's just so important that we do teach them how to be warriors and that we don't overprotect them because there is a world out there that they're going to step into and they need to be prepared for that when they walk out that door and for them to know that you are a strong, independent adult parent and that you can handle that and that they can handle it. And just to parent them that way, I think, would be, is huge. And Kaylee, how about you? What, what concluding thoughts do you have? I would just, and I touched on it throughout, your children are very capable. They might be little and they might be grown, but they're very capable of things. And if you allow them to do things on their own and you give them the responsibility, whether it's making a sandwich or it's talking to their teachers about a bad grade or it's confronting somebody, whatever that is, your kids are capable of handling those things. And by you telling them that they're capable and making them do it, even if they don't want to, it communicates trust to them because it communicates that you think that they're capable. And that is super huge. I would say that was one of the biggest things that built trust in mine and my mom's relationship is that she thought I was a capable human being <laughs> and therefore I thought I was capable because she said, you can, you can do this. And she didn't just say it, but she did it in actions. So um, we are going to actually pray now and then we'll move on. God, we love you so much and we thank you for each and every mom that's here that is coming to learn, to learn more about you, but also to learn about how to parent their children. God, I ask that you would use any story, any information that was told today, that you would use it in these moms' hearts to take the next step forward, whatever their next step could be. God, we ask that you would bless every child that's represented here in the audience and online, and we ask that you would grow them up to be strong, healthy, competent adult children. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.